welcome to Myth Matters, storytelling and conversation about mythology and why myth matters to your life today. I'm your host and personal mythologist, Dr. Katherine Svela. Wherever you may be in this wide, beautiful, crazy world of ours, you are part of this story circle. Well, a belated Happy New Year. I hope that you found reason to celebrate as we move together and alone through the many changes currently in progress. Today I'm going to tell you the end of the Sumerian myth of Inanna. This is the first episode of my third season as Myth Matters, and I think it's my seventh or eighth season podcasting, Yahoo. (laughs) Anyway, it's somehow the combination of beginnings and endings. Ending the story, beginning the new year. Uh, And in the context of this myth, it, it feels especially appropriate for this time. The difference between an end and a beginning is a matter of perspective. A loss is also an invitation, an opening. This is the principle that we call transformation and the real magic. So let's have a brief recap. In the last episode, the goddess Inanna is rescued from the underworld through the combined efforts of Ninshaber and the god Anki. Anki creates two little creatures from the dirt under his fingernails and sends them down to Arishkigal, the queen of the great below, with specific instructions. The empathy that these two creatures express for Arishkigal who is also Inanna's sister, convinces the dark goddess to let Inanna off the hook, literally. But, we learn, no one can leave the underworld unmarked. Someone near and dear to Inanna must take her place in the dusty, dry, lifeless great below. So, when Inanna returns, she is accompanied by the gala, These are heartless underworld demons, and they are going to take someone back to the underworld in Inanna's place. The first person they meet is Ninshaber, Inanna's faithful advisor and friend. The Gala want to take Ninshaber, but Inanna says no. Next, they meet Inanna's son, Shara. And once again, Inanna says no. Then they meet Inanna's youngest son, And like the others, he has been mourning and praying and throws himself in the dust at Inanna's feet when he sees her with the gala, and Inanna protects him also. Now the gala say, all right, Inanna, let us walk on to your city of Uruk and the big apple tree. And there, sitting on his throne under the apple tree, is the husband and king, Demuzi. He's dressed in his royal finery, busy with the affairs of state, and doesn't seem the least bit concerned about Anana's absence 
or her reappearance. Anana fixes him with the eye of death and tells the Gala, take him, take Dumuzi away. Dumuzi wails, prays to the god Utu, Anana's brother, and he asks Utu to give him snake hands and feet so he can escape the Gala. Utu answers Dumuzi's prayers, and he slips away from the underworld demons. And that was the end of the last podcast, episode three in this series. Now, I invite you to sit back and relax and let the story take you where you need to go right now. Note the moments or details that catch your attention. Whatever it is, this is an opening into the meaning this story holds for you right now. I will make a few comments at the end of the story. Demuzi's Dream Demuzi was terrified. His heart was filled with tears. He ran back to his home on the step and stumbled across the grasslands crying, Oh, frogs in the river! Oh, crabs in the river! Weep for me! If something happens to me, if I disappear, please tell my mother. My mother will mourn for me. My sister will mourn for me. Exhausted, Demuzi lay down among the rushes to sleep. He had a dream. When he woke up, he shook his head, rubbed his eyes, and began to tremble. He called out for his sister. Bring me my wise woman, he said. Bring me my little sister, Gishtanana, my sister, the scribe, who knows many songs, who can interpret dreams. She will tell me the meaning of this dream. Gishtanana came to her brother, Demuzi. He said, A dream, my sister. I must tell you my dream. Rushes grow thick about me. A single reed trembles alone. A double growing reed bends in the wind. First one is removed, and then the other. Water is poured on my hearth. My churn is broken. My cup falls from its peg. My shepherd crook disappears. An eagle catches a lamb. A falcon catches a sparrow. My sister, your goats drag their lapis beards in the dirt. No milk is poured. The cup lies shattered. The sheepfold is given to the winds. Gishtanana said, My brother, don't tell me such a dream. Demuzi, I don't want to hear this dream. The rushes that grow about you are the gala who will surround you. The single reed is our mother who grieves for you. The double reed is you and me, for we will share the same fate. You are the lamb Demuzi and the sparrow. You will die, and your house will be no more. When Gishtanana finished speaking, 
Dumuzi heard a sound. Quick, sister, he cried, run up to the top of that hill. Quickly, quickly, and tell me who is coming. Gishtanana and a friend of Dumuzi's ran up to the top of the hill. They saw the gala. The friend cried back to Dumuzi, It's the gala, the big gala, and the small gala with thongs to bind you. They ran back down the hill. Gishtanana was frantic for her brother's safety and told him to hide. Dumuzi said, I will hide in the low plants. I'll hide in the tall grass. I'll hide in the ditches in Areli on the edge of the steppe. Don't tell anyone. Gishtanana and the friend swore secrecy. May your black dogs, your black sheep herding dogs, tear us to bits if we betray you, they said. And then they all ran away in separate directions. Now the gala reached the crest of the hill. They looked out on the grasslands and saw no one. Hmm, where shall they look? The small gala said to the large gala, Dumuzi must be very uneasy. He must be afraid. A man in that state of mind will not be at a friend's house. He will not be with his mother. Let's look for Dumuzi at his sister, Gishtanana's house. The gala went to Gishtanana and asked her where Dumuzi was hiding. She did not speak. They offered her the water gift, but she remained silent. They offered her the grain gift, but she made no sound. The gala threatened Gishtanana. They pressed up close to her. They made ugly noises, but she was silent. The gala tortured her. They poured pitch into her vulva. But Gishtanana refused to make a sound. At last, the small gala said to the large gala, Forget it. Whoever heard of a sister revealing her brother's hiding place? Let's go to see Demuzi's friend. They went to the house of Demuzi's friend. They offered him the water gift, and he accepted it. They offered him the grain gift, and he accepted that too. They asked him where Demuzi was hiding, and he told them, Demuzi is hiding among the low plants. The gala looked, but they didn't find Demuzi. They returned to the friend. You need to tell us more, they said. The friend said, Demuzi is among the tall grasses. The gala searched among the tall grasses, but they still didn't find Demuzi. The demons went back to the friend. Okay, he said. Demuzi might be in the ditches in Aurelia, on the edge of the steppe. The gala went to that place and found Demuzi. They grabbed him, and Demuzi cursed his friend. He fought with all his might and prayed once more to Utu. Utu, I am your brother-in-law. I brought gifts to your house and treated your mother as if she were my own. I am the husband of your sister. I danced on the holy knees, the holy knees of Anana. Please turn my hands into gazelle hands. 
turn my feet into gazelle feet so I can get away. Utu granted Demuzi's prayers. Demuzi slipped away from the gala and fled to the city of Kuberish. But the gala followed him there. Now, Demuzi decided to go to the house of the old woman called Belili to hide and to get something to eat and drink. When he arrived, he told Belili, Look, I am no ordinary mortal. I am Demuzi, husband of Anana. Please pour out some water for me to drink and sprinkle some flour for me to eat. Belili did this for him. Then she looked out the window and saw what looked like trouble. A dark cloud, a flapping flurry of demons, was heading toward her house. She slipped out the back door. The gala saw her leave, and they entered. Demuzi escaped the house and ran. He ran to his sister Gishtanana's sheepfold and crouched among the animals. But the gala were close behind, and they found him there. Gishtanana came out of her house. When she saw Demuzi and the gala, she began to weep and tear at her hair and clothing. Her brother's terrible dream was coming true. The first gala scratched Demuzi on the cheek. The second gala pierced his other cheek. The third gala knocked Demuzi's cup from the peg. The fourth gala broke the bottom of his churn. The fifth gala broke his shepherd crook in two. The sixth gala smashed his cup. The seventh gala said, Rise, Demuzi, husband of Anana, son of Situr, brother of Gishtanana. Your days here are finished. The race is over. Take off your holy crown. Remove your robe, the robe of kingship, and let your scepter fall. You are coming with us. Gishtanana's goats dragged their beards in the dust. There was no sound but that of the wind and Gishtanana's weeping. Demuzi was gone. A lament went up over the land. Word of Demuzi's fate spread from city to city, from town to town, and the people grieved for their king. Among them was the goddess Anana. Anana was distraught at the loss of her husband. She missed him terribly and wept bitterly. Gone is my husband, she cried. Gone is my sweet love, my honey man, my beloved. The wild bull is no more. He was taken away before I could wrap him in a proper shroud. I can no longer serve him food or drink. I can no longer lie down beside him. The jackal lies down in his bed. Situr, Demuzi's mother, was also distraught. She went to the steppes, to the grasslands where he used to wander, playing his reed pipe and tending his flocks. Oh, my son, she said, how I would love to hear your voice. How I long to hear your songs. Now there is only the wind in the reeds. 
Surtur went weeping to the sheepfold, the place where Demuzi was captured by the Gala. She looked at the slain wild bull and stroked his face. My son, she said, the face is yours, but the spirit is gone. The goddess Anana met Gishtanana in the streets of Uruk. The sister was crying out in grief. Where is my brother? I would comfort him. Where is Demuzi? I would go to him. I would share his fate. My brother, the day that dawns for you will also dawn for me. Anana was moved by Gishtanana's deep feelings. She wrapped her arms around the sister and said, Gishtanana, your brother is dead. His house is no more. I would take you to him if I could, but I do not know the place. Then a fly appeared. It buzzed around the two women. It flew close to Anana's ear. What will you give me, said the fly, if I tell you where you can find Demuzi? Anana said, Fly, if you tell me where to find Demuzi, I will let you buzz around the beer halls and taverns. I will let you frequent the temples, and you will hear the words of all the wise ones. The fly told Anana and Gishtanana to go back to Areli on the edge of the steppe, the place where Demuzi first hid from the gala. The two women went. There they found Demuzi weeping. Anana took her husband by the hand. She said, You have been chosen for the underworld, but you will only go for half of the year. Gishtanana will go for the other half, as she has pledged to share your fate. On the day that you are called, you will be taken. On the day that she is called, you will be set free. Then Anana placed Demuzi into the hands of the Eternal. Praise be to holy Arishkagal, through whom everything is realized. Praise be to holy Arishkagal. Interesting ending, don't you think? I'm going to share a few thoughts about Anana's choice of Demuzi as her surrogate, which is one way of also talking about the purpose and significance of the underworld descent, and also about the fully realized nature of Anana. There are a number of ways to look at this and various different dimensions, and I hope this will fuel your reflections on the story. One, Dumuzi is Anana's husband and the only one with sufficient value to fill her place. That there must be an exchange of value reminds us that the great above and the great below are aspects of the one reality. One can't exist without the other. What sustains one sustains the other. And then we remember that Demuzi is Anana's partner on the transpersonal level, as well. He is the yang to her yin. They are more than spouse to each other. 
and they are more to our world as individuals and as a couple. You might recall from the second podcast on the courtship of Anana and Demuzi that we talked about their coupling and fertility as material and metaphorical, that their union, that its beauty and life-giving qualities are understood metaphorically in all of the ways that we use the metaphors of seeds and flowering and growth and harvest to describe the natural world, outer processes, and inner processes and states of being. In the story, because it's a narrative (laughs) and a description, Dumuzi follows Anana, and yet his descent began when she turned her ear to the ground. Dumuzi is also Anana's subject, or rather, he is subject to her transformative power, as are all things. What is this transformation? In his discussion of the great goddess, like Anana, Joseph Campbell notes that the fertility expressed in the female form of the goddess is material and spiritual. The link between these two realms, maybe you remember the tree from the first podcast on Anana, is an aspect of the enduring, amazing mystery of existence. Campbell writes, just as the past is converted into the future by the goddess, so is the material life translated into the spiritual. Reflect on this statement for a moment. This is what happens, isn't it? When a seed is planted and sprouts, when someone or something dies, when you are able through practice or grace or both, to experience the eternal and the simple act of washing a dish or taking a breath. In the dissolution of the boundaries between material and spiritual is also the realization of the eternal and the transitory, what is called, in its loftiest terms, enlightenment. I say loftiest terms not to disparage (laughs) the goal of spiritual awakening in the least, but to remind you that glimpses of this presence, that moment spent in the awareness of the illusion between these things is always available. Now, let's also consider that Demuzi is king To rule correctly, to have true authority, that is to really have the right and the privilege to be king, and to have the necessary wisdom, you must be acquainted with the depths. You must know yourself and your own depths. This includes the loss of illusions about life and about your own self, your character, and capacities. In this myth, there is the stripping away, the stripping it down, and Demuzi is stripped of his powers and identity 
when he descends, as was Anana. A descent to the underworld also brings you to a fuller understanding of life and its depth and complexity, beauty and suffering. To know life, you must die. This is the great paradox. We make many deaths before the final physical death of the body. What has this taught you? Do you understand the relationship between vulnerability and wisdom? How knowledge of what truly matters changes when you are aware of your fragility. When you risk openness, when you understand that we're in this together, that we face a common end. Wisdom requires compassion, that sense of the common end, and the willingness to imagine yourself in the place of another. What Anki's little creatures bring to Arishkagal, what moves even the queen of the lifeless realm of the great below, is their empathy, right? Finally, just as Anana and Dumuzi are a pair, and also the one, with a capital O, so too are Anana and Arishkagal. They're sisters. That is, they are aspects of the same self. They are aspects of the energy of life and death. That is all. So we see that Dumuzi is actually always with Anana. Only now he is with her in all of her aspects. The great below aspects as well as the great above. What makes this fruitful, beautiful, bearable for us mortal beings is the currency of compassion that links what is for us to separate states of being. Let me read one of my favorite poems for you that expresses this idea (laughs) much better than I can. It's called Kindness by Naomi Shahib Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment, like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. 
then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere, like a shadow or a friend. It is only kindness that makes sense anymore, my friend. Like a shadow or a friend. In my mind, that so beautifully encapsulates the true essence of Inanna and her sister, Ereshkigal, of the partnership and reality of the yin and yang of Inanna and Demuzi, and of the purpose on this plane of the underworld descents that we are called to make. It is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Let's carry this awareness into the coming year together. And so, feel free to contact me if you have questions or comments about today's program. A big welcome to the new subscribers. If you are new to this podcast, I invite you to head over to the Mythic Mojo website where you can subscribe via email to receive a brief announcement and link from me if you like when I post a new episode. A big thank you to my new patron on Patreon, Girdra. Thank you, Girdra. (laughs) And you know, I say my patron, but of course, these are our Patreon patrons and Bandcamp supporters, as their monthly contributions to Myth Matters make this story circle possible for all of us. If you are finding value in Myth Matters and you have the means, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon, too. And that's it for me, Catherine Savela, and Myth Matters at the beginning of our new year together, 2021. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, happy myth-making, and keep the mystery in your life alive. <laughs>